Welcome to this week's podcast of Music, the Bed of Life. I'm your host, Anthony V. Simuel. I'm telling you, this is going to be a very interesting show today. This has to be one of the most surprising individuals I've ever met. I met this gentleman, well, kid at the time, in college. He was a great trumpet player with a great appetite for partying deep into the next morning. He was great to be around, but I never imagined he would turn out to be who he is today. For fear of sounding cheesy, this man has the ambition of a thousand men and the talent of Van Halen, Maynard Ferguson, Glenn Miller, Michael Jackson, Oscar Peterson, Fred Astaire, and Les Claypool, all wrapped up in one. He plays the guitar, bass, trumpet, trombone, tuba, piano, and sings. If that's not enough, he also tap dances while playing the trumpet, I might add. That opening little tune you heard was all done by Mr. Greg Varlata. Greg, welcome to the podcast. Greetings, sir. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm doing good. That's awesome, man. We're we're gonna talk about some of your, uh, let's say, talents. But uh, before we get to that, tell people how we met and who you were at well, the time. <laughs> well, uh, you were. I heard it in the uh, intro. We did meet in college at Arizona State University in uh, marching band. I. Th- believe that's how we met and uh yeah my name at the time was greg wallace Uh, i grew up as greg wallace but uh, a couple years later right out of college uh, i found out that my family name was varlata so i i changed it back to that um but uh but but how did you find that out come on now when i said you have great ambition there was a reason why you found that out uh you went maybe because i my stage name. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Wallace wasn't, uh, didn't, I, it just didn't have the appeal. And I'm Italian, and Varlata just sounded a little more elegant, and, uh, and it was the truth. So I, I went with that and have uh, been Varlata ever since. Yes, you have. I almost, most times, forget about Wallace, even though when you were in your partying days, that's who was partying. Wallace, oh, Wallace is. <laughs> Falling out again on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happened a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> the party was at right. your house. I still drive by that little house over here and take a look <laughs> and think, wow. Yeah. How far we've come. Whenever I get a chance, I do that myself and <laughs> think of the memories or the lack of <laughs> memories based on how much I drank. Right. But, uh Yeah. But so. since then, somehow music found you. I mean, straight out of college, you got in the group Side Street Strutters. Uh, tell us how that came about, because you were playing at Disneyland right pretty much out of college, right? Well, actually, uh, the Side Street Strutters was a Dixieland jazz band that was formed at at ASU, uh, 
uh, the the uh, what do you call the guy who directs the band? The drum major, Rob Verdi, and his brother played instruments, and uh, Rob played saxophone. His brother played clarinet, and their dad was a drummer and a teacher, and uh, decided that they should put a band together, uh, a Dixieland band together, just to you know have some fun, maybe make a little bit of money, and <clears throat> do some performing. So uh, Rob approached me. Uh, and said, hey, we want to put this band together. Are you interested? I said, yeah, sure. And then he said, okay, great. Do you, uh, do you have any charts? <laughs> so it just so happens that my dad had had been in, my dad was a trumpet player. Uh, uh, and so uh, he had some charts uh, and Dixieland charts. And so that got the band started. And in 1983, we played our first couple of gigs. and And then I wanted to be a rock and roller so <laughs> i told them to get somebody else uh and then the next within a year they were get, getting pretty good and uh there was a national collegiate dixieland jazz band competition sponsored by southern comfort so in 1984 they were the finalists and once i found that out i was like hey you got to get me in the band i'll win you that competition so um uh, now, things now what, worked out that way what made what? you think that you could do that because up to this point now, I'm still back with Wallace, the party animal rock star, wild guitar player. Well, I mean, you know, my forte was definitely trumpet. Uh, that was my major. And, uh, you know, I had, uh, you know, I'd been playing big band gigs with my dad st- since I was 16. So oh, a whole two years, I guess. <laughs> uh, but uh, <clears throat> no, it was more than that. But uh, I, I don't know, the trumpet player that they had... Um, I, I felt I could do better. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, they had asked me first, and I don't know. It just turned out that, I, you know, it was it, it looked like an opportunity for me, and uh, I, I kind of went for it. They said yes, uh, got me back in the band, and we did win the competition. <clears throat> and uh, that took us on like a two-week national tour, and we did some fun stuff like playing the Merv Griffin show and uh, the Jerry Lewis telethon. And we met Hal Linden of Barney Miller, <laughs> who was a, a great clarinet player. Oh, really? Yeah. And also the uh, Beverly Hills uh, Unlisted Jazz Band with uh, Conrad Janis. Uh, we, we met them and George Siegel on, on uh, banjo. And uh, so we, we did a lot of, you know, little short television stints and rob the leader of the band had been uh in the uh, disneyland all-american college band the summer before in florida so he had some connections with disney and it was i believe it was he who actually got us uh, a showcase at disney in california and the that park had uh eight months prior to us being there had gotten rid of their Dixieland band in New Orleans Square. And mm-hmm. so they, they've been without a jazz band for eight months. And when they saw us come in, we were so full of ourselves in our <laughs> mid-20s. We just commanded an audience and were just a bunch of goofballs. And they loved it and said, you guys want a job? And, and, and was so, this in Florida or, or California? <clears throat> no, this was in California. Okay. And, uh, and so we all said yes. And the... The, the fun started. Um, we, so, but I, I had 
I had yet to graduate. I graduated in May of 85 at ASU with a performance degree. And we had started at Disneyland in January of 85 playing weekends. So we would commute on the weekends, go out there and play private parties and on the weekends and then come back home and then I'd finish up my school schooling uh, during the week. And we did that for five months. And then I graduated and, and drove out there and to stay pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, the first couple of years weren't five days a week, but, uh, we ended up doing that and I stayed for 21 years. Um, you know, yes, I, I do know. <laughs> <laughs> so that, it's it like was a great history. gig. It yeah. Was, you it guys, was a great gig. We came out, many of us came out several times to see you guys at new Orleans square. Um, entertaining it was was the word. You guys were so entertaining. Yeah, we weren't afraid to uh, do that. And actually, I was probably the quietest one in the group, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I, you know, I we, with guys like you know Rob and Vince who were very outgoing, and <clears throat> my friend Joey Sellers on trombone. Mm-hmm. You know, we we were just you know we were having a lot of fun, and uh, you know. Putting our time in, right? And having, and, you know, playing jazz five days a week it was kind of fun. And Joey wrote some of those charts, right, or arranged them at least. Yeah, he he did quite a few arrangements uh, and really gave the band the sound that we had, which was it was Dixieland, but it was also more modern. Mm-hmm. And he he made that work yeah. on a couple of different levels. So it, the, the the charts were fun to play; they sounded great, and they were challenging enough that you know you wanted to keep playing them. So it was. It made it easy. It was jazzy. It was. It was Dixieland jazz, and, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and of all the people that I that was least likely to pick up a trumpet and play jazz in my mind was you. <laughs> <laughs> and when I heard you in that group, I'm like, what? <laughs> Listen to this kid play. All well, of I you, was, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And and. To be honest, you know, I, I did do some, uh, I was in the jazz band at ASU and in the combos, but I wasn't very good. Uh, and the, actually, the Dixieland, the the more simplistic chord structures of Disney, Dixieland, which is a little bit more diatonic, really helped me out because uh, I wanted to play outside, but didn't understand a lot of the harmony and theory about that. But mm-hmm. um, just playing every day. And, you know, I don't play outside, you know, crazy bebop jazz mm-hmm. now, but um, I, I kind of found my voice, you know, uh, my own, you know, my own take on it. So I'm happy with it. So yeah, I, that really benefited me. You, uh, you all grew. I mean, I, I've, I heard the beginnings of that band and until and till now, it's like, wow. I mean, it's uh, it's quite the difference, actually. It's kind of like, and I'll I'll make the similarity between Spirogyra and you guys. If anyone knows Spirogyra out there, when they were playing, they were playing very, very pop type contemporary jazz that was easy to listen to. But as time went on and has gone on, if you've kept up with them, you see that they've gotten a lot deeper and intricate into the jazzy, more jazzy world. 
heading more towards kind of almost straight ahead jazz. So, you know. and we kind of did that too. We we started out mostly traditional Dixieland jazz or traditional early jazz, and uh, in '95 we decided to get into more big band swing. And we did an album called Jumping Into Swing. And, mm. of course, Joey Sellers did all the arrangements on that and made a, a four-horn front, you know, six-piece band sound like a 17-piece big band. <laughs> uh, he, he really... And we still play, uh, to this day, we still play some of those arrangements, and they still sound great. Um, another, note, uh, another thing to note was uh, I was so rough at, at the beginning playing jazz uh, when we did the finals for the competition the Dixieland competition I had I transcribed my own solo and memorized it mm-hmm. for one of the tunes mm-hmm. the the fast tune because I wanted to be able to play sound like I could play fast but there was no way I was going to be able to just improvise that so I went ahead and wrote something out and memorized it so it sounded like I was you know really just going off the top of my head and yeah, um, it was a good kept secret. I'm sure the judges, uh, Clark Terry being one of them, knew wow. <laughs> what was happening. But you know, but you, pull, I, uh, I'm sure you pulled it off though. Yeah, because yeah, you could. I think I did. You, could, you had the chops to play it. Yeah, and there's a video of that floating around somewhere, so that'd be fun to watch. Yeah, we're gonna have to or maybe find not. That. <laughs> <laughs> might might have to, you know, grit my teeth through it. But all right, so that that got you up to <clears throat> trumpet. So what got you into guitar, bass, trombone, singing, tuba? I didn't mention the tuba. You play the tuba. Yeah, you did mention that. Did I? Okay. I mean, I I can play it. I don't own one, and I, I don't <laughs> look I for opportunities yeah. to play it. But, <laughs> but if you I, can. you know, if I have a beer or something and somebody's got one and they <laughs> throw it in my face, I'll probably play some notes, but... Uh, the guitar and the piano, <clears throat> I picked up. Uh, my dad bought the family a piano when I was 14, so I, I basically jumped on that as soon as it was in the house and just kind of started working on things, um, except my first piano teacher wanted me to start from the beginning, so she she had me <sighs> playing out of Chip and Bobo little, <laughs> you know, Animal characters <laughs> telling me what notes they they were, and and I had already been playing trumpet for probably nine years at least by then, and so I knew how to read music, and um, so what I did was I found the Maple Leaf Rag by Scott Joplin and <laughs> learned that. It took me about six months, and then one day I came into the lessons and I sprang it on her and I showed her how how I played. She was like, oh, that's great. Now back to your lesson. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and so I quit shortly after that. <clears throat> and, you know, and by that time, uh, I was listening to bands like Super Tramp and Kansas and stuff with keyboards in it. Mostly mm-hmm. Super Tramp was a big one of mine because they had there was a lot of keyboards. Um, guitar, about the same time, I think I was a junior in high school, and... Uh, Hotel California, mm-hmm. I believe, is what pushed me over to edge to <laughs> to play, to want to learn to play guitar. 
and the the lead uh, solos at the very end of that song mm-hmm. where we we would just sit and listen to those albums and you know the classic rock um, the first guitar solo I ever learned was a song from Alan Parsons project yeah. called I wouldn't want to be like you and it was a it was a like a bluesy you know rock guitar solo but I didn't have access to a, an electric so I had to learn it on an acoustic and so that took some doing because yeah. trying to play you know staying there <laughs> no no and it was a it was a really awful guitar but uh, you know which is probably a good place to start because the harder you work on that when you finally when I finally got my first electric it was like wow this is so easy to play compared to that other thing so um, and off I went and uh, um, started you know uh, started early in once I got to ASU um, I brought my guitar with me and uh, that was that became kind of my goal is to get into a rock band even though I could play trumpet and that was my major I, I was having too much fun on the on the guitar and uh, got into a couple of different bands um, that never went anywhere but uh, um, I've been playing guitar ever since really not uh, until recently and I say recently probably within the last 10 years that I actually started playing gigs on guitar so mm-hmm. which is interesting I mean that means I've been playing it for 40 years just for fun <laughs> right uh so um and you also and uh, in the process w- started to work on some playing jazz guitar oh. which is a whole other animal yeah but something that I really fell in love with and aspired to do and during the pandemic really was able to put some time in and actually kind of be able to play some lines you know some 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 stuff that I could hear in my head and could get out of my fingers mm-hmm. which is kind of the whole the whole goal of being able to play an instrument is to play what you hear when you hear it right so yeah um yeah I, I so. also know you played with Nils for a bit Nils Lofgren, yeah, yeah. the uh, he's the he's the lead guitarist for the E Street Band, and mm-hmm. did that for thirty. I think he's going on close to forty years, thirty eight years, something like that. Uh, but he, uh, in between the the E Street Band tours, he would, you know, <clears throat> he had his own career before that, so he tried to keep that alive and. Um, he did a band for a while and then he did a trio with his brother because his brother was, he and his brother had a band in the seventies called Grin and, uh, his brother got a day job and made too much money doing that. So he kind of got off the road. So Nils became a kind of a solo slash duo artist. So he, um, he toured with, uh, an accompanist for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, who played multiple instruments and, the end of that uh, relationship was in 2005, and he was looking for uh, another person who could uh, join his acoustic duo, is what he called it. Mm-hmm. And uh, a friend of mine in in Phoenix, uh, where Nil, Nils moved to Scottsdale probably 20 years ago, and a friend of mine who's a guitar player, Doug Mann, uh, knows Nils, and... Uh, Nils had asked him, he says, hey, I'm looking for somebody who 
plays multiple instruments and would, would be interested in doing something with me. And he goes, I got just the guy. <laughs> and, uh, of course, Nils said, well, is he local? And at the time, I hadn't moved back to Phoenix yet. I was still working at Disney. And he said, uh, well, no, he lives in L.A., but he's really thinking about coming back, and this might change his mind. And it, it definitely helped uh, push me over the edge and of course, I had a family to come with me, but my family was back all in Arizona at the time, so mm-hmm. that made it easy. Yeah. And uh, so that was November of 2006 when we went on our first tour and did three weeks in the UK. And I was I was a deer in the headlights for that entire time because <laughs> Nils was such a huge celebrity uh, and a, just a huge. A presence on stage he'd be, he was so used to playing stadium shows and uh i had never really done anything quite like that mm-hmm. and and uh, i just i i had the imposter syndrome i i didn't feel like i belonged <laughs> on the same stage with nils lofgren but um <clears throat> however to, to uh, tell everybody what you were playing for nils well, I mean, I he he definitely wanted the trumpet, and I played some guitar, of course, and some piano. But um, he goes, I understand you tap dance, so yes. we we haven't gotten to that yet. But um, I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, I want to let's let's see what that looks like. So, and as soon as I did it, uh, he was like, oh yeah, that's going in the show. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's, it's so novel, and people would really appreciate it, especially in the UK. Uh, but. Um, because uh, let's see, so <clears throat> it, I can go into the tap where I, I learned that at Disney. Well, yeah, I was just going to about say, halfway through. I didn't want to jump too far in it, uh, ahead, but I wanted to take take it back to when you were playing at Disney, how you learned to tap and when you practiced. Right. So uh, our first of all, our trombonist Joe, Joey Sellers. Uh, had enough after 10 years at Disney. So uh, 96, I think he finally left. And uh, so we we looked for eight months for um, a trombonist who could also double on piano because Joey, you know, not only did he write the charts, but he, he comped on piano mm-hmm. uh, behind all, all of the soloists on stage. And uh, we we just could not find anyone to fit his bill. And I had played a little bit of trombone in eighth grade. It wasn't anything great, but I kind of saw the writing on the wall. And so what we had done was we we subbed out my chair, the trumpet chair, and we got uh, a really good guy uh, who who was actually in the Dixieland band before the Strutters at Disneyland. So he already knew all the tunes and you know the whole theme park mentality. Mm-hmm. And uh, I boned up on my trombone so to speak yeah i i practiced my trombone and i knew the charts and i could comp on piano so i fit i i filled joey's shoes as you know as good as i could right and we decided to go with that route and and then rusty joined the side street strutters and i played trombone for the first full year that's all i played was trombone and and piano and uh so that was 96 and uh, and then and then we, the Strutters still wanted to tour, and they and they wanted me to play trumpet. So we found a trombone player that would sub in the park, and I would play trumpet about 
two days a week and trombone three days a week. And, and then when we left, I would play trombone or trumpet on the, on the tours. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, so that, so that's basically how we wrote out the rest of my, the next 10 years as I kind of played trumpet and trombone at the park. And, uh, and in 90, summer of 97, Disney hired a bunch of street performers to perform in, in, uh, New Orleans Square, and they hired some tap dancers, some really good hoofers who were really good at improv, and, you know, the strutters would play on the street, and these tap dancers would just show up and just start wailing uh, with the band, and, you know, we'd give them solos and stuff, and I, it blew me away. I was just <laughs> like, I gotta, I gotta do that. I gotta figure out how to do that. So, uh, Ambition number eight. <laughs> yeah, well, and, uh, and and uh, there was a guy there who was, who became a five day a week tapper. They, they there was a lot of tappers that would come through, but only one or two that really stuck for their duration. And Mike Rainey, who had tapped with Savion Glover and Gregory Hines in some shows, uh, was there. And uh, he said, as long as he was there, he he said, I'll show you whatever you want. You know, because nice. I, he could tell I was hungry. Mm -hmm. So uh, we 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 became really good friends, and he showed me uh, anything I wanted. You know, basically everything I had learned uh, on tap, he he taught me. And it wasn't they weren't like you know formal lessons, but you know just little bits and pieces here and there. And then uh, at one point there was a day that I became a tap dancer, and it was I just remember getting my my uh my headphones and my metronome and uh there was a room above our break area where mm -hmm. the where the uh air conditioning units were for the for the building that we were in and i would go up there and uh every break and there were seven of them during a <laughs> during a shift i go up there and spend 30 minutes working on tap steps that uh mike would show me during mm -hmm. throughout the day and I did that for several years, a couple years. Actually, right. well, and, and at the end of the first year, I was like, okay, I'm ready. I want to go out and tap on the street. <laughs> and Mike's, so Mike and I had a tap off on the roof of the building. He said, all right, you got to show me what you got. And then I went up there and just absolutely choked. And I was like, okay, oh. maybe I'm not ready. <laughs> he goes, that's all right. You know, we'll, we'll get you out there and, uh, I uh, I started doing uh, a set here and a set there, and uh, it it just was so much fun. And and then eventually I actually subbed as a tap dancer mm. uh, a couple of times. Nice. Which was really hard. I mean, man, they would they would throw down for you know uh, ten minutes in one set and then be off for the rest of the hour, <laughs> and they'd sweat really hard and then cool way down and then. Doing that like six times a day, I, it was it was rough, but um, it's work, huh? Yeah, but it was it was really fun, and it's really what gave me my chops on on taps. And uh, of course, then I developed my own notation system. But maybe that's for another day, wow. <laughs> another I conversation. Mean, you mention it, please mention it. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, in in the process of learning, you know, these steps, there was definitely some communication gaps uh, with with Mike and myself. You know just how tap dancers, uh, how they, uh, 
the, their language of the music is different than a musician's language of the music. For instance, the, the forms of the tunes, they count in eights when musicians count in four beats to a bar, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we were always, I was always frustrated because I couldn't, we couldn't communicate as, as, as quickly as I had wanted to. And I just wished there was a way I could, you know, give me a book of tap steps and, you know, I can go off and practice these kind of like an etude book or, a, you know, a, a, some sort of rudiments or something. But there's, there was nothing like that. And this is before YouTube. So mm-hmm. there really wasn't right. a way to, to, to look stuff up and, you know, you, you just kind of had to, you know, find the people and, and do it that way. But, and that did uh, inspire me to, I, I was so frustrated at times that I went ahead and figured out a way to notate tap as music so that I could write the steps down and not have to forget them anymore. Right. And, uh, and then I could, you know, branch it off into and create, you know, my own library of tap steps. and Which uh, is a book that you have designed yeah, and published. It's called Footnotes, and it's uh, music notation for tap dance. And uh, I, I've it's available. <laughs> yeah, yes. <it laughs> I think is. I've sold twelve copies since yeah. two thousand and nine. But you know, well, you know, what what, what is it? That, what did you say? The the music, the way of tap is written. What what do you say? Oh, What's your the tag? future of tap is that written. Is, yeah, that's my tag. The future yeah. of tap is written. Yeah. Which means, okay, so I want to say for our listeners that you hear this kind of mellow voice in in Greg, but I'm telling you, if you sit in a room with him when he's on a mission to get something done, he's like a bulldog trying to get the stake on the other side of the fence that he can see. <laughs> he's just relentless at getting something done and accomplished. So it's just, I, I am totally amazed at your talent that you kind of just slough off is yeah, I, I can do that yeah <laughs> well i mean I, I i know where it's gotten me but uh yeah i mean it's just i don't know it's well, uh let's something... let's talk about the loop then okay let's, yeah let's break that puppy down so what we heard when the when the episode started was a song that was let me see greg 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 <laughs> Greg and a lot of Gregs on vocal. So yeah. let's 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 break that down. What all did you do in there, and what all's being played? Well, the the one thing that I didn't do was the drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a loop that I had picked up from a place called uh, a site called Yurt Rock, which is specifically for loops, and they do all kinds of stuff, mostly percussion, but they'll they you can buy these loops for your use and uh <clears throat> you know as much as i love playing with real musicians sometimes as a as a tool to get some ideas down mm-hmm. you you put a you can put a loop out and and kind of try some different things over it so um i stuck this loop on a looper which is a little pedal that will basically play the this two bar phrase over and over again and uh you, you know you just it's an easy way to just let stuff fall out of your head and you know get it onto uh you know a recording mm-hmm. can we build so, a song um, sure this is a this is a 
with a drum loop that I got from Yurt Rock. So let's I'll just start it. Yeah, just start it. Kind of cool. It's got some uh, some you know tap back echoes. Yeah. Yes, it does. So I you know listen to that a couple of times, and uh, I'll go over here to the piano and see what comes out. Okay. what i ended up with uh-huh. yeah i mean i you know i i mess around a little bit longer than that but that's what that's what i ended up with yeah and i pull up my bass see what i can add to it control over each of these loops and I can I can pull one out so I can pull the piano out and just listen how the bass grooves with the drums right and then I can do the same thing pull the bass out so it's kind of like it's kind of like doing a painting or a sculpture and you're, you're just chipping away at stuff Okay, so I had that, and uh, you know, you asked me to put some vocals in there, and I, at first I just kind of did some scat singing and some sounds, but uh, I came up with some words based on your podcast, uh-huh. and uh, and then of course I had to multi-track them, <laughs> of course, because but, why didn't you? Let's see if I can find it. Music is the bad, music is the bad, music is the bad. Music is the bad, music is the bad, music is the bad. Of life. Music is the bad, music is the bad, music is the bad. Music is the bad, music is the bad, music is the bad. Of life. Music is the bad, music is the bad, music is the bad. part is just remembering what I played the time before. <laughs> and I gotta make it fit with the keyboard part, right? Right. So yeah, 
it's, it's kind of a puzzle trying to make stuff fit yeah, with each other. So yeah, I, you know, um, I guess over the years playing all kinds of different music, um, you know, stuff just, I hear, I, I, re, I try to react as organically as I can to what I'm hearing right. and, um, you know, being able to, having played multiple instruments, which was really a product of, or, uh, uh, you know, to aspire to go, what does it feel like to pl be a piano player? What does it feel like to be a, a bass player? And in knowing the the jobs each of those instruments has, mm -hmm. um, which is so important to the music on in their own right, uh, because playing playing a horn is, you know, it's it's not super crucial in a lot of music, and it didn't happen at all in rock music for the most part. I mean, yeah, there's some horns here and there, but Chicago, um, yeah, blood, sweat, and tears, right? Just name but, a few, <laughs> right? But but um, it's it's a layer, yeah. That's you know, it's not necessary. I mean, it definitely not brings it up a notch, but like a bass player or a keyboard player, that's pretty important, especially well, especially in jazz. I mean, those are kind of the foundations. Yeah, got, I was gonna say know. that's that's your rhythm section that, right yeah. so um and of course yeah I, you know i added some guitar too and that's fun so, uh, but so the thing about this is you can't you're doing this yes it sounds great thing is you can't not everybody can hear what's supposed to go there like you have a knack for putting the right the right rhythm because rhythm is just as important as the harmonies, but you've got mm -hmm. a knack for putting the right rhythm in at the right place at the right time. So to fit all that together, like you said, like a puzzle piece, you've got to envision the pieces, and yeah. you do a, re yeah. a really good job of that. Well, and and a lot of that comes down to you know listening to different types of music and and thinking critically about what it is you're hearing, and a lot of that comes from. Uh, a lot of the people that I was, you know, a around. Um, harmonically, uh, like I said, Joey Sellers, our trombone player, who is an amazing arranger, mm -hmm. had a, an incredible harmonic sense, uh, helped me uh, with that in terms of, uh, you know, what's important and what the function of a lot of the harmony is. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a bunch of notes, but, it, you know, there's... You know, there's a function, very specific things that certain harmonies will do. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, another thing that helped me was getting my ear where it was. And, and actually, that was kind of by accident. I mean, when I was, I started playing when I was five. I played trumpet when I was five years old because my dad was a trumpet player. And, um you know, again, it was one of those things. It's something I just wanted to do. I didn't want to perform. I just enjoyed playing the trumpet, a cornet, you know. 
And uh, in order for me to do that, um, well, first of all, in that at that time, Herb Alpert was all over the radio. So Herb Alpert and the T1 of Brass. Mm-hmm. So I heard a lot yeah. of trumpet sound, the sound of the trumpet, plus my dad practiced at home. And uh, and these Herb Alpert tunes are really simple melodies all over the AM radio. heard them all the time so my ear was becoming accustomed to that that sound and so i got a good sound out of my horn and what my dad would do is he'd buy the albums and then he would buy the sheet music and because i couldn't read sheet music he would look at the sheet music and write down all the fingerings of all the the melodies and then i could play along using these these fingering charts and I could play along using my ear and play along to the album, you know, the Mm -hmm. uh, complete sides Mm -hmm. of Herb Alpert's uh, music. And, you know, back then an album was an LP was probably 26 minutes on a side, but those songs are two minutes long. So Mm -hmm. you've got 12 or 13 songs on one side and I could, I could sit and do that, you know, in a, any you know a couple times in an afternoon probably i don't remember now but um and i've got you know i don't still have the 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 fingering charts but it um i i remember it very vividly and that really trained my ear to really hear things you know really zero in because i wanted to sound exactly like herb mm-hmm. albert yeah and so well, down to the to sound like well, down to the articulation, because it was just, you know what I mean? It was just like I wanted to be able to say that I could, you know, to hear myself do that. And uh, and then once I got into college, there was ear training courses and mm-hmm. uh, classes. And, and I started to realize that to really learn any piece of music is I'd have to transcribe it. And uh, I started doing a lot of that. And uh, that really helped uh, me learning any given song to become intimate with whether it's a jazz solo or a rock guitar solo or a keyboard solo. So did something. you have in school, because again, like I said, I, I knew you as Greg Wallace, the wild party and guitar player. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I really knew what you were doing in actual school. Like, did you have trumpet lessons and, and did oh, you yeah. go to theory yeah. classes? And yes, yeah, well, I, I started out, I, sta- I did, yeah, did Glenn you? Hackbarth uh, was, uh, that was 20th century music, that was. He was uh, theory but, for me. But, yeah. uh, well, he, um, I, I started out as a music educator because, you know, people say, well, if you don't get a job playing, you can fall back on your education mm-hmm. degree. And my, the 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 jazz band director one of there was two jazz bands. I was in the second jazz band in my freshman year, and that my jazz band director Bob Miller said, "You know, people say that, and the the thing is, is that's what you end up doing if you get that. If you if you want to play, you should probably get a performance degree. And so I did. I, I switched my major, even though at the time I was taking uh, classes." You know, as a as a music educator, you have to learn all the instruments. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And so you have to take a class in woodwinds and violin and uh, you know stringed instruments and p- class piano. And then, of course, my main instrument was trumpet, so I was already playing that. But um, I ended up switching my major to performance. And, uh, of course, I didn't know what kind of performing I wanted to do, but uh, I, I mean, I absolutely love performing, but mm-hmm. I wasn't very good at jazz. I didn't really like uh, symphony music because there was a lot of sitting and not playing right. for the for the brass. Same for um, the flutes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, I, I, my my trumpet instructor would get he he got very frustrated with me because I didn't know what I wanted to do, and he had a one hundred percent placement for all his trumpet students. They always got work because, you know, he was you know, he had a great reputation and he, I'd, he didn't want me to tarnish that, you know, break that, uh, 100%, you know, place. Was that Harold Hines? No, that was, uh, David Hickman. Oh, Hickman. Okay. And, uh, and so, he, you know, and I, I was taking my time getting through, I took six years to do a four year, you know, degree, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, uh, I was like, well, I think maybe I want to go to Vegas and be in a show band. You know, he's, he's, he was like, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but it's funny because right out of, you know, once we got the, once we won the competition and we got the gig at Disneyland, I was in a show band. Yes, you were. I, that's that's, <laughs> that's what the laughing. Strutters became. Yeah. <laughs> we performed and I, I still to this day, I'm happy. That's what I prefer to do rather than be a working musician who plays, you know, weddings and i've done some of that too but it's way more fun when you're on a stage and people are watching you as the the entertainment right like uh you know we've done a lot of formal concerts we've done many tours where you have a captive audience and then we've done disney where people could just walk by and go eh. (laughs) but um you know uh, it it really makes a difference when you're doing that as opposed to let's say a wedding where you're you're supplying them, you know, the entertainment, mm-hmm. the music that they are going to dance to or whatever. But yeah, like the it's house just party. Different. Yeah, that yeah. I went to in the <laughs> video. Yeah. Uh huh. But uh, so I, I, I guess I've always, not always, but I, as a matter of fact, when I was a kid, I hated people watching me. I, I was <laughs> petrified, and so well, well that's it, changed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess I grew out of it eventually once I realized how much fun it was to be uh, in a band where, yeah, you draw a crowd for a reason. You have to, you know, you have to draw the people in. And that's really what it's about for me anymore. Well, let me let me play host now and wrangle you to that area where I know everybody's dying to hear. Let's hear some tap. (laughs) Well, I, I can't. My all my stuff is on my tap board. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I, I, sh- I you sent use you that, that picture. As your desk, your floor desk. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, putting all this stuff together so I could get, have access to it. All um, right. Well, I, I promise you, listeners, I'll get some tap out of them and I'll I'll, I'll edit it in. Okay. <laughs> so uh, here we go, Greg. Tapping. Here's Greg Carlotta. In addition to being a wonderful trumpet player, he's an excellent trombone player, plays great piano and guitar, bass, writes, sings, and he also tap dances. 
I wanted, we have, uh, we got a few minutes left, but I wanted you to talk about If Then. I know this is a group that doesn't exist anymore, but the concept of what you guys were doing was so cool uh, that I'm really sad that that broke up. And yeah. I don't know why it yeah. broke up, by the way. Well, we couldn't find gigs, really, ultimately, and, and everybody got busy doing mm. You know, trying to make a living. <laughs> oh, mostly. Uh, yeah, um, it was a great experimental project uh, that was kind of always uh, evolving. It started out pretty simply of it was uh, myself and my friend Doug Mann on guitars, and I was I was playing mostly trumpet and some bass, and I I put some tap in there. And then Rachel Gold was on keyboards, and we and it was it was primarily instrumental music, uh, kind of electronic, but not always. Uh, kind of a fusion, definitely some, you know, really rocking guitar, like some you know scathing leads from Doug, and uh, I would affect my trumpet and put put uh, different effects on it to make it sound not like a trumpet sometimes um and so we would just uh we would use also would use uh either uh loops that a uh, drum loops that we made ourselves or that we would find some places and sometimes they weren't drums at all but we would mm -hmm. just find something that uh, inspired us to what we would say is we would turn on the looper and turn on the faucet and then we just <laughs> The, the idea faucet would just kind of flow and we would just not uh, say what we were doing to each other. We would just communicate as musicians by listening. And um, a lot of stuff that came out was pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, and it was, it was just, the process was really fun. And um, we ended up only doing one one CD, and that was our Christmas CD in, back in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, still one of my favorite projects to have ever worked on. Is that available? Uh, there's probably some floating around. I don't think it's actually something you can buy anywhere. It was on CD Baby. Um, I don't know if there's if there's if it lives digitally anywhere, mm -hmm. uh, which it might. But um, yeah, I, I think all the copies are gone. But we only did obviously a very low amount of copies on the first run. And, uh, but yeah, just really fun stuff and uh, amazing. Which you know, which kind of led to the whole for me the kind of that's where I started really going down the looping uh, path and. You know, just as, again, as a tool for myself, I mean, I suppose I could actually write music this way, but it's just, it's just a way to get ideas down and, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's a, that was a really fun project. And, you know, Doug and I are talking about maybe doing, uh, doing that some more. Yeah, um, please. <laughs> and, and since then, um, I've acquired a couple of new instruments there are digital versions of trumpets. Uh, there's a couple. There's two of them. There's one called the Digibrass Tilt. It's a, it looks like a trumpet. It's plastic, but 
it's a it's a wind controller and what it does is it allows me to play any sound using trumpet fingerings and my breath mm. and the other one is called the electronic valve instrument which is basically the same thing it just does it a little bit differently but it gives me access to sounds that I could never get out of a trumpet right. um, you know synth sounds I can sound like any instrument or a synthesizer so I it's bet that's really not hooked up right now is it it is not hooked up okay. it's it's uh it can't tease it, us like this greg and then not have it ready to go <laughs> yeah that'll be the that'll be let's say i'll i'll tap and play that on the next one okay because he can't uh, he can't tap and play at the same time <laughs> well I, I don't have to do them together because i have loopers so yeah uh, well play them separately but but yeah it's uh it's there they require a little bit more thought <laughs> in terms of uh, you, there's there's some technic technology involved, so I have to get all that together before I can really, uh, you know, make it presentable. Mm -hmm. So I'm still working on it. I, the the electronic valve instrument I just got less than a month ago, and I haven't spent a whole lot of time on it. But it's every time I do, it's just it's really fun. So I, I'm <laughs> hoping, yeah, I'm I'm actually hoping to do some of my own live streams with that. And uh, that's coming soon, especially yes. now that I know how this all works. <laughs> right. So with that, so. tell me where people can see you play, hear you play, find your music. Uh, uh, I, I do have a SoundCloud account, but uh, in my name, Greg Varlotta, but there's not a whole bunch there or anything that's really new or current. Um, as far as online, I have an, a YouTube channel. That is uh, my own name again, Greg Varlotta. I also have a YouTube channel dedicated to tap dance called Tap Dance Now Videos. Um, and my uh, Facebook music page is Greg Varlotta Music. Um, that's where I'll be hopefully starting up some live streams very soon. Um, and maybe that'll, that'll be the most current or, yeah, you know, current music and original stuff and and some sometimes i'll do some cover tunes but uh and uh i perform regularly in well not regularly i perform in a band in the phoenix area called the mac daddios which is kind of a classic rock slash country band that does a lot of charity events it's a big band so we don't get a lot of work but uh that's really fun and i do some uh the arizona classic jazz society has a party once a month in Chandler at the San Marcos Golf Resort. Oh, I like San and, Marcos. Uh, yeah, and uh, I I just did one on Sunday, and I do those every couple of months. And that's with them. public. They ask me to. Uh, yeah, it's there's a cover charge, but yeah, they're they're love for people to come listen because they're they're trying to figure out how to keep it going. It's, it's uh, tell everybody down. where the San Marcos is. Uh, San Marcos Golf Resort is in Chandler, on Chandler Boulevard, and uh, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. That's just how I get there. <laughs> it's on Chandler Boulevard. Uh, maybe Main? No, it's not. Uh, I don't, it I don't know what the cross street like is. That. San Marcos. Yeah. Arizona Boulevard. Chandler in Arizona. It's right there, I think is what it is. North Dakota but, Street. 100 North Dakota Street, Chandler, Arizona. Oh, right. Dakota. Yes. There you go. 
That's right. That's the back. <coughs> anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, so that's really fun. I, I still enjoy playing that music. And I uh, just played two concerts with the Side Street Shredders last month in the state of Texas. I don't know how many tours we got left. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys are retiring. Uh, some of the guys are retiring from Disney. Um, so we'll see if uh, they want to keep it going. But we may be at uh, – they'll be at the Sun Valley Festival in Idaho in October. I don't know. If, uh, I'm still up in the air what, if, whether or not I can join them. But uh, It's going to so be so bizarre, them not being at Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the Strutters, the, as a band, hasn't been at Disneyland since I left because they – that was when all the entertainment changed, but but those guys have been there the whole time, and mm. uh, they're coming up on forty years. Yeah, twenty twenty five will be forty years for, for those the guys that are still there if they if they if they choose to stick it out. But um, but yeah, uh, that's that's most of my stuff. I'm trying to get more of a presence on uh, on social media, mostly Facebook. I, I have I also have a a private tap group page specifically for the notation. And I keep it private just so, it you know, people don't come on there and just, uh, you know, advertise or whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, and that may change at some point, but uh, I'm trying to, trying to uh, get this notation system really refined so I can really start to kind of put it out there and, and see if I can get some, tap dancers willing to read mm-hmm. foot <laughs> notation notes. yeah so the future of tap is written yeah nice. i still believe that too i know I you do it is. Yeah. <laughs> i know you do <laughs> so and for good reason over for, for really good reason yeah yeah i think it can take it somewhere that it hasn't been yet uh and uh i'm still working on it but uh well, yeah. well, Mr. Varlata, and yes. I, I, I use that. You see how easy that flows off now? Because I don't even know <laughs> that other name anymore. Or that kid, crazy down there. And Mr. Wallace, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> oh, the pleasure's been mine. This, it, it, it's over already. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, flying by. But, For uh, real. Gregvarlata.com. Is that where you're at? on the web you said yeah Facebook page uh, we'll make sure we get people there uh, it's cool. been very interesting and we're going to have to get you in again for some of your other talents like the tapping and the, the electronic yeah. valve instrument yes let's do that yeah let's do that alright well thanks for listening to this episode of Music the Bed of Life Really appreciate you, and hope we can do this again soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you, Greg. Sounds good to me. Thank you, sir. Music is the bad, music is the bad, music is the bad. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. For more information about this show and past episodes, go to www.musicthebedoflife.com. Please like, share, and subscribe to stay informed of new episodes. Join your host, Anthony V. Simuel, on the next quest to discover how music plays such an important part of our lives and the many individuals responsible for making it happen.